0: You're listening to the living word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. We come alive as a we are filled with the living word of brutalized so we can fully rest in your truth. Yeah, yeah.
1: The text is heavy let me just throw in a little positive even though it's not in the text for me and for those who have received Jesus he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light humanly I, I, I like the Hezekiah tunnel turn your flashlights off but, but I'm counting on the flashlight coming back on I don't want to stay in the darkness it's just a little rush you know, <laughs> just, just a little rush but I don't want to stay in the darkness
0: The passage we'll be studying in today's message is heavy. It describes the destruction of a planet's worth of souls that have rejected Christ. As Pastor Danny illustrates, if you imagine being in a cave and your source of light goes out, the darkness completely envelops you. There's no escaping it. Spiritually speaking, that's the level of darkness that will be experienced in the tribulation. Fortunately, there's still light available in the here and now if you accept Jesus' gift of salvation. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 15 as he begins his message, Hurting People, Hardened Hearts.
1: Chapter 16, the book of Revelation, for the most part, deals with a future seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. It's a time when cataclysmic events will take place on the earth, but it will happen gradually. Back in the early part of our study in Revelation, uh, John the Apostle, who's receiving the vision that we call the book of the Revelation, there's a seven-sealed scroll. Uh, Jesus looses the seals and after the seventh seal, the seventh seal reveals seven trumpet judgments upon the earth. The seventh trumpet judgment, which we've already been through, uh, reveals seven bowls of God's wrath. And as you study Revelation, the seven seals and then the seven trumpets and now the seven bowls, it's an increasing intensity. God doesn't send his wrath all at once. Why is that? Because he loves people and he wants them to be saved. But in this section, things are really heating up. Literally, as we'll see in the chapter. Verse 1, then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went out poured out his bowl on the land and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshiped his image. That is the entire planet. If my calculations are correct, I mentioned last week in chapter 15, last verse, as God gives these seven angels, these seven bowls, Last verse of chapter 15, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. I take that to mean no prayer is going to get through. It's a done deal. We're near the end. And now as the first bowl is poured out on the people left, many have died. It is now universal. Interesting, bowl number one, ugly and painful sores. Remember the plagues on Egypt? If you've been around church or Bible studies, Moses, God, used this to deliver the people of Israel. He sends 10 plagues on Egypt. Egypt, biblically, is a type of the world. And it's interesting, the similarities you see here in the seven bowls of wrath and some of the plagues that were sent on Egypt. For example, the first plague on Pharaoh and the Egyptians was the same plague we find here in this first bowl of God's wrath with one difference. Then it was localized. It was ancient Egypt and the Egyptians. But Egypt is a type of the world. It was prophetic of what's going to happen in this coming day that's going to be global, universal. Isaiah chapter 24 is one Old Testament prophet that tells us that no one is going to escape. Everyone is affected. It's universal. When the Plague broke out on Egypt. And I think I said that was the first plague. It was the sixth plague. It's the first bowl here. It's the sixth plague on Egypt. It says Pharaoh's magicians could not stand before Moses. That's how bad it was. They called in sick. We're not going to make it in today. (laughs) Verse 3 Second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. That is hard to imagine, but that's what's going to happen. The first plague on Pharaoh and the Egyptians was what? The Nile turned into blood. Uh, We live on this coast. You might have walked the beach during red tide. Red tide is nothing compared to what will happen in this coming day. Every living thing in the sea dies. Can you imagine the stench? Verse 4, the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. All the fresh water on the entire planet. You say, well, how is anyone going to survive? One of the things we note here, we are now at the end of this seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. Things are moving in heaven. Why? Because Jesus is about to come back. Jesus, in talking about this coming day, in Matthew chapter 24, said, If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. This is the end. Now all the fresh water is defiled. The third trumpet judgment brought bitterness to a third of the fresh water. And now all the fresh water is defiled. It's really bad. But no, verse 5, then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, you who are and who were the Holy One because you've so judged. For they've shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you've given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. I heard the altar respond. Just a quick note. Take you all the way back to Revelation chapter 6. When the fifth seal was opened, John says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they maintained. And they called out in a loud voice, how long, O Lord, before you avenge our blood? And the answer came back a little longer until your fellow servants who will die the same martyr death that you died, until that's complete. Well, here, it's complete. And now the judgment falls. And again, it's universal. But everything that is happening is righteous. It's holy. There's no injustice here. As we saw last week when God gives these seven angels, these seven bowls, the seven angels are dressed with golden sashes and, and clean white linen. It's a holy mission. Verse 8, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. And the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. You talk about global warming. Things are really heating up. Literally. They were seared by the intense heat and, and they cursed the name of God. Who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent. And glorify him. It is so interesting to me. That most of the time. The term GD. Is used. It's in the context. Of a negative situation. And you've never had on the planet. A more negative situation. Than what is happening here. And as things really heat up and worldwide around the globe, the sun, intense heat, GD, it sure is hot. They're cursing God because of their pains and their sores. Instead of crying out for mercy, oh, God, forgive me, it's GD this and GD that. So what's going to happen? The sixth angel poured out his bowl, verse 12, on the great river Euphrates, or I'm sorry, verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. This one is fascinating to me. And his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony. I'm not believing they're gnawing their tongues in agony because of the darkness, but they're gnawing their tongues because they've suffered the intense heat. And the other plagues. But now it's completely dark. They gnawed their tongues in agony. And they cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they refused to repent of what they had done. I'm going to pause just a minute on this one. Not spend too much time on it. But this one is fascinating to me. Because it comes right after the scorching heat. Jesus said in Matthew 24, Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. The darkness here is fascinating because it was the ninth plague on Egypt. And if you've read that story or heard teaching on that story, when God sent darkness in Egypt, there was light where the Israelites were, but there was darkness Where the Egyptians were, and here's what it says about the darkness. It was a darkness that could be felt. I don't know where the darkest place you've ever been was. But for me, it was on one of our trips to Israel. We've done it three times, this particular event. Three times we've walked through Hezekiah's tunnel. I love it. It's an adventure. Depending on on the time of the year, uh, the level of water in Hezekiah's tunnel uh, is either higher or lower. I like it when it's a little higher because it gets you pumping a little more. And one of the things I love to do as we're deep into Hezekiah's tunnel and all you are in is just cut out rock and there is no light anywhere except hopefully the little flashlight that you brought. Or your phone flashlight. And so in my group that I'm responsible for, the the ones around me, we get right in the middle of Hezekiah's tunnel, and here's what I love to do. Okay, guys, everybody hear me? All right. Turn off your flashlight. And it's the darkest place I've ever been. And it is a darkness that you can feel. Astronomers have observed phenomena in star suns way out where within a few days, a star has increased rapidly in magnitude, which seems to be happening here in Revelation 16, the scorching heat of the sun. And within a few days... A star having increased rapidly in magnitude then immediately after this great flare-up dims far beneath its earlier brightness. The diminishing light of the sun causes a thickening of the clouds until little or no light can come through. That's what's going to happen in this coming day. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting light. The context of that most famous verse the context don't miss the context for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of god's one and only son this is the verdict light has come into the world but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil And in this coming day, God says, okay, you've rejected every offer I've made, including the offer of an evangelistic angel flying around the globe, telling people the gospel of Jesus Christ and giving them a chance to be saved. And here, they've made their choice. And because they love darkness instead of light, you want darkness? Here it is. Isn't it interesting, when they came to arrest Jesus, what he said to them? Here's what he said. Every day I was with you in the temple of courts. Temple courts. I, I was there publicly, and I was preaching and teaching publicly. And when did they come to get him? The middle of the night. And he said, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. And isn't it interesting, as he hung on the cross... At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land for three hours as Jesus hung on the cross. This mysterious darkness. Fascinating. Jesus said, many will come in the future day and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom, those who should have been there but missed out because they said no, will be thrown outside into the darkness. Will they be weeping? And gnashing of teeth. The text is heavy. Let me just throw in a little positive, even though it's not in the text. For me, and for those who have received Jesus, He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. Humanly, I I, I like the Hezekiah tunnel, turn your flashlights off, but but I'm counting on the flashlight coming back on. I don't want to stay in the darkness. It's just a little rush, you know, (laughs) Just, just a little rush. But I don't want to stay in the darkness. Revelation 16, verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. This one's also fascinating. Euphrates is 1,780 miles long. It's an average of 30 feet deep, uh, and here it's dried up. Chapters before the sixth trumpet sounds, And God releases four angels at the river Euphrates. The Euphrates. It's fascinating because the kings from the east, that would be on the right side of the map. Kings from the east, historically. uh, They have come time and time and time again. They are the enemies of Israel. It's interesting, the Euphrates was also an ancient boundary for the Garden of Eden. Here's paradise. And then the other side is not paradise. When the four angels are released at the sixth trumpet, John the Apostle saw an army of 200 million. 200 million. you imagine? Army of 200 million coming from the east. Just a quick reminder before we take the picture down. Um, the, the current countries, some of them, On the east side of the Euphrates, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Jordan, Saudi Arabia. If you've been with us, you know that this is a coalition, an army led by the Antichrist. And he's coming to invade the land of Israel. And the Euphrates is dried up so that it can come across with no hindrance. Verse 13 Chapter 16, then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, the mouth of the beast, and the mouth of the false prophet. This is the unholy trinity. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. I think it's interesting that instead of just continuing with the narrative, You have verse 15. Here's what it says. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not be naked, shamefully exposed. Perk up. Wake up. And then he goes back to the narrative. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The Valley of Megiddo. Been there on trips to Israel. I always get Jesus bumps when I stand and look out over the Valley of Megiddo. I can't spend too much time here, but let me give you just a little bit of information on the Valley of Megiddo, where the Battle of Armageddon will be fought. Over 200 battles have been fought there, right here, on this plain. It's where Gideon and 300 men overcame the Midianites. It's where Samson defeated the Philistines. It's where King Josiah was killed going against Nico king of Egypt. It's where Deborah and Barak defeated Sisera. The Turks, the Muslims, the Syrians, the Egyptians, the Europeans have all waged war in this valley. Napoleon, when he's coming into Egypt, passed through this very valley. And here's what he said. If they're is a place on earth where the last war must be fought. It is here. He called it the perfect battlefield. I talked to some military people in Israel about this valley, and they tell me all the reasons why it's the perfect battlefield. And it is the perfect battlefield. The seventh angel, verse 17, poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. And then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. (laughs) That's some earthquake. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts. I take that to be Jerusalem. The cities of the nations collapsed. There goes LA, New York, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Dubai, Beijing, Moscow, gone. Crumbled. Hard to believe, but that's what's going to happen. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away. The mountains could not be found. At this point, Jesus is on his horse. From the sky, huge hailstones of about 100 pounds each fell upon men. You kidding me? Hailstones of 100 pounds each. Interesting little note too. 1950s nuclear testing in the Bikini Islands. Surprising results they didn't expect. You know what it was? Hailstones that formed when surrounding water shot so high into the air that it froze before returning to the earth. But a 100 pound hailstone, really? (laughs) What it says. Side note. Church is gone, I believe. This seven-year period, it's not a period of grace. It's a period of grace in the sense that people are going to be saved. But we've gone back to, in my opinion, law. Because as people reject the grace of God found in Jesus Christ, what's left? You miss the grace of God. only thing you're going to have to submit to is the law. And what was the punishment for blasphemy under the law? Stoning. There's a verse in the Old Testament that God says, I've reserved the hail for times of war. And here at the very end, hailstones from heaven as men are GDing and GDing and Things are going from bad to worse to cataclysmic, and yet they're cursing God. And they get what they deserve. They curse God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible.
0: The book of Revelation isn't a pleasant book to study. It lays out for you the end of the world as you know it right now. And the devastation that will be falling on the world is overwhelming. And it can make you ache for the people who will have to endure it. It can also make you long for everyone you know to seek and find Jesus right now. Only He can save the people of the world from this terrible end and His grace is available right now to everyone. Today, let Jesus bring to mind those friends, family, and even acquaintances that you can be praying for and actively sharing His gospel message with. We know this isn't an easy task, so we'd like to support you in prayer please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Living Word. Pastor Danny will continue this verse-by-verse study of Revelation in our next edition of The Living Word. But right now, you can hear more by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. There you'll also learn more about Pastor Danny and the church these messages originate from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We'd love to meet you, so if you're in the area, please come join us for one of our weekend services. We gather each Saturday and Sunday to worship the Lord and learn from His Word, and we'd be honored to share that time with you. Be sure to stop Pastor Danny and let him know that you're a listener. You'll find all the information you need at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more from the book of Revelation, right here on The Living Word.